Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Heartless. The Magic Story Podcast recaps the fiction story of Magic the Gathering. We provide our synopsis and our own bits of flavor text along the way. We are still in season four, talking all about March of the Machine. But today is a special one. We have journeyed through the main story, had our ups and downs with our favorite characters and the side stories. But I'm sure you, like us, still have a lot of questions about what happens after. Well, you're in luck because today we're diving into the first of two bonus episodes to March of the Machine in its epilogue called The Aftermath where we might just get some answers to the questions we're all wondering about. We're focusing today's episode on the story titled She Who Breaks the World, and it's written by Grace Fong. Join us as we head into the multiverse. before we jump into this episode, can I just say, oh my gosh, we know her. Grace Fong is an amazing writer and we are going over one of her stories today. But what's really exciting for Natalie and I is that we used to work with Grace. Grace used to work at Wizards of the Coast. And so I'm so honored to be able to break down one of her episodes today. I've been a fan of her work for a long time and this episode was absolutely no exception. Yeah, I'm with you, Harless. I'm super excited to read Grace's work um, to you all. Um, I, it's such an honor to work with Grace, and um, I'm, I loved today's episode. So with that, I'm just going to do a quick recap as to what happened last time for those of you who need a refresher. So last time was the end of March the Machine main story. The Phyrexian invasion is over. Elish Norn is defeated. New Phyrexia and Zalfir had essentially switched places in the multiverse. New Phyrexia is now somewhere beyond the Blind Eternities, a place nothing can reach, and Zalfir had become its own plane. It's come home, as Teferi called it. This was only possible due to Ren, who had bonded herself with Realmbreaker, the invasion tree Elish Norn had used to transcend and travel through the multiverse, and Ren sacrificed herself to save everyone. The warriors of Zalfir faced off against the Phyrexians in this final stand, and the Zalfirans ended up victorious. Last episode, though, we awaited the fate of two of our planeswalkers who had been Phyrexianized by Norn, Nyssa and Ajani. Both were successfully revived thanks to Malira's sacrifice, but Nyssa's planeswalker spark had been damaged in the process. But the good news is she's alive, on Zalfir, with Chandra. And Ajani is all right, too. They're both back to, well, I won't say normal, because they definitely aren't the same, as we'll find out. But they're no longer Phyrexianized, and they have their own minds again, and bodies and spirits, without being tainted by the glistening oil. We start today's episode with Nyssa, the elf nature mage planeswalker who had been Elish Norn's closest warrior, who had spent the last full two seasons basically being an enemy to our planeswalkers as they were trying to save the multiverse. Obviously, that wasn't truly Nyssa. And now, Nyssa is back. She's Nyssa again, as we had seen her at the end of season two. But something's different about her, too. And I think the tone is kind of set by the very first sentence of the episode. Nyssa Ravane is digging her grave. So Nyssa is back. Mostly. But something's changed in her. Like, something's changed in her soul. Her planeswalker spark is gone, 
meaning she can't traverse the multiverse any longer. And her ability to wield nature at her command is also gone. She is now here on Zelfir, and she can never leave it. This is her home now. This is when we discover Nyssa is not the only one who has lost her spark. In fact, many things about the multiverse have changed. It's been several days since the fall of New Phyrexia and the fall of Norn. Zalfir is still celebrating with their drums in the background, and the aftereffects of the invasion have started to become known. And this is from the story. The Silex had gone off in the blind eternities. Holes had been punched in the space between planes. Maybe this is some sort of natural response from the multiverse. A great pruning, a taking back of that mysterious energy that once filled them. And Harless and I had theorized at the end of the battle that surely the multiverse can't be the same after what Elish Norn had done to it, and the Silex, and it seems like that's true, especially considering that the essence of the multiverse seems to be different, given that planeswalkers have begun to lose their sparks. We know that Karn had sacrificed his spark in order to heal Ajani and Nyssa. Teferi is another character who has lost his planeswalker spark. It had already begun way back at the beginning of the invasion, and now it's gone completely. Okay, and I honestly had to read that paragraph multiple times for this to sink in. Like, it legit hit me as, oh, their spark is fading a little bit, just the way it's worded. But after reading it a couple times, it straight up says that Teferi's spark had started had like just faded sometime after the invasion. And this is also happening to Koth in the aftermath of the invasion as well. Oh, poor Koth. Losing his home, losing Malira, losing his best friend Elspeth in a way, and now he's losing his spark. Koth and Karn were trying to forge a new home in Zalfir at Teferi's welcome. They were moving forward, slowly and not without pain and loss, but it was progress. But Nyssa, she just feels, she feels lost. She feels really unwelcome here. And here's another passage from the story. Zalfir still never spoke to her. Neither did the five colored sons. More refugees from Mirrodin now at home in Zalfir's sky. She felt cut off, lost in the multiverse with no voice calling her home. Maybe no plane would hear her ever again. They'd all lost their sparks, but only Nyssa still wanted to planeswalk. And so... Because of this, Nyssa sort of isolates herself from the others, not wanting to bring down the celebrations of the aftermath and their victory. She begins digging a grave for her Phyrexian carapace, this metal skeleton that had been hers during the invasion, a creation of Elish Norn. She notices there's blood residue on it still, and her heart aches with agony at the memory and the thought of hurting Chandra, the fact that she almost killed her. After the Phyrexian defeat, Nyssa's friends said they forgave her. They cut her out of her metal prison and cleansed her mind of the Phyrexian influence. They cleansed the oil from her stem sword, but they could not cleanse the memories of what she had done. The copper ribcage had been both trap and armor, a construct of crippling terror yet intoxicating power. It granted her the ability to unleash a call through the branches of the invasion tree and speak the glory of Phyrexia to every plane in the multiverse. And right now, Nyssa is disgusted with herself because despite her friend's sacrifices, despite Chandra's sacrifices, part of her misses hearing those plaints. Yeah, this honestly has to be just incredibly complicated for Nyssa. 
to be able to compartmentalize, to be able to come to terms with all these emotions as her own, to be able to forgive yourself for what you had become while under Phyrexian influence. That one hits especially hard, right? I just can't imagine how difficult. And and burying this carapace makes me think she's trying to bury these emotions too. She's trying to put it behind her to move on somehow like the others. And that's just not how healing works. You can't just bury your feelings, right? Like that's not how you get right. through something. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And she finishes digging this hole, but then she ends up not being able to move this carapace. It's just too heavy and her magic is gone. So she's she feels weaker. She feels like she can't actually put it into the grave and bury it. And while she's struggling to move this into the grave, Chandra walks up to her. Now, Chandra's spark had remained intact after the invasion. She can still planeswalk. But only Chandra and Ajani had kept their sparks at all, out of all of those currently on Zalfir anyway. And as always, in typical Chandra fashion, she sweeps into the rescue for Nyssa she ignites the carapace in fire and like turns it into this like hunk of metal and then just kicks it into the grave super casually. And this is really conflicted about it because there's a part of her that just wants to have one thing that she can do herself, a success of her own. And Chandra, the mighty hero that she is, just wants to help her. She's powerful and just so, oh, I got you. She's got that mentality like, don't worry, step back. I'll be your knight in shining armor. And that's just not what Nissa needs right now. Yeah. And I can also imagine how difficult it must be for Nissa in this, in this context to have lost her spark, lost her powers, lost so much of herself while Chandra remains so powerfully Chandra in all of her glory. Yeah, I mean, Chandra, the go-getter that she is, wants Nissa to just come back and rejoin the celebration. She's trying to pull her out of her funk, right? She's not really understanding why Nissa feels the need to bury this carapace now. And while Nissa insists on doing the rest herself, pulling from Chandra's hand even when Chandra reaches out to her, she begins to fill the hole with dirt and a shovel. And Chandra just paces because she can't stand still (laughs) and this is and while so nissa is filling this grave trying to bury her past like this is going through something really emotional right now and chandra's just pacing not understanding what nissa is going through and this is when chandra reveals that tomorrow she's leaving she's gonna go find a johnny and Side context here, Ajani had disappeared mysteriously between this episode and the end of March of the Machine for reasons we are not given in this story in particular, but we will return to this in another episode, so stay tuned for more details there. And poor Nissa's heart just breaks, I think, hearing this. I'm right here, Chandra had said. I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. Nissa wants to say something about this, to remind Chandra of her own words. Oh my gosh, these two. I mean, my heart is absolutely breaking for them. Chandra has always been Chandra. She's a go-getter hero. She can never stay still for too long. She's antsy and adventurous, just like fire. And Nissa, Nissa's really struggling with all of this. She doesn't know how to ask Chandra to stay because... She clearly, and I mean, it is so obvious here. She just, all she wants in this moment is for Chandra to like choose her, right? 
to just pick her and stay and not go after adventure, to pick her over adventure, essentially. And in doing so, to uphold the promise that she made to Nyssa. Now, their relationship until now has been, I think the best word is fragile, meaning they haven't had a chance to ever really talk about or express how they really feel about each other. Their moments have been so fleeting. Chandra, from what we have seen in this season, was full on in hero mode to save Nyssa. It's always been about saving Nyssa for Chandra, right? Like her actions spoke so clearly every time she came up against Phyrexianized Nyssa and couldn't hurt her. Chandra is in love with Nyssa. And all this pain Nyssa feels about Chandra leaving, about not upholding her promise, well, it's clear she's in love with Chandra back but they haven't talked about it. They haven't figured it out with each other and they don't know what it means for their future. And so in this moment, finally, finally, Nyssa says the thing that they have both been evading, the conversation they needed to desperately have. And I'll read this for you from the story. Nyssa barely hears herself when she whispers, but you kissed me. You finally kissed me. Chandra shifts from foot to foot. I mean, yeah, but I still gotta go. The rest of Chandra's words mean nothing to Nyssa. How could Chandra love so many people so freely, yet leave her so easily? Does she lack more than just a spark? She has to know. Nyssa steals her voice. Then be clear. Exactly what kind of love do you have for me? And Chandra, she either doesn't have the words or just can't bring herself to say them but she just can't say it. She wants to. We can see in her face in the scene that she wants to say it back, but the words just aren't there. The words Nyssa needs to hear. Instead, Chandra says, I knew I had to save you. And Nyssa's rebuttal has obvious threads of pain. She says, you're a hero, Chandra, a planeswalker. You'd save anyone. Nyssa thrusts her shovel into the ground. Am I no different than anyone else? And Chandra, we just watched Chandra struggle to get the words out here. She's stammering through this next sentence. No, that's not it. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's just so big. Like, I can't describe it. Isn't that enough? Can't you just believe me when I say you mean everything to me? Everything. Nissa frowns. Because what Chandra is saying doesn't match what Chandra is doing. Nissa thought Chandra would know better that the kind of love Nissa needs is one that won't leave her. Or has she once again been drawn into Chandra's inextricable orbit, only to be trapped in a one-sided love, like her own personal immortal son? Ah, love story drama. Okay, both of them are not saying what they truly feel and maybe coming to incorrect assumptions about the other based on their own fears and past hurts. Chandra's not realizing the depths of Nissa's pain and not seeing what she needs. And Nissa is not realizing that Chandra doesn't understand what Nissa is feeling deep down because, you know, she's not telling her. She's asking her to kind of meet, read her mind here. And so this conversation ends with Nissa just saying, clearly despondent about it. Go then. Find a Johnny. I'll just wait here. And Chandra goes. She planes walks away. Oh, cry, 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 cry. I just want them to... 
you know, figure it out, you know, like say what needs to be said, just get it out there, say what they need to in order to understand one another, own up to their feelings and be forthright. It's so hard, though. I I like easy for me to say as being the spectator on all of this, right? Just shouting at them on the page, just say it, will you? But really putting yourselves in the shoes of Chandra or Nissa, what they've been through, their personalities both so strong. Of course, it's not going to be just as easy as as saying it outright. Yeah, absolutely. And Nissa wakes up the following day. And when she does, she sees that Chandra is still gone. And so Nissa goes into the forest of Zalfir up the hill on her own, trying to feel any sort of lalay lines she used to be able to speak to, the connections she used to have into the natural plane and her ability to control nature. And much to her heartache, there's nothing. She just can't sense them at all. A profound distance Nissa equates to her isolation from her friends. But up here, she seeks out the solace from someone who might understand. Ren. Now, Ren is just a little seedling from where Teferi had planted her. She is growing fast and thriving, though. And Nissa tries to listen to her song, tries to hear her. And here is where she's finally able to hear a song. It's faint and far away. Hoping it might be Ren, Nissa searches for answers, listening, deepening her awareness to the faraway song. But the song turns into a loud, ear-splitting ring, and amidst it hears voices. One she recognizes, and it gives her an immense feeling of unease. She hears a combination of Eldrazi, of Nicol Bolas, and lastly, of Phyrexia. Mm. Yeah, okay, so long story short, all three of those things are bad. Like, really bad. Some of the most catastrophic threats to the multiverse ever. The last one being the most recent and the most devastating. And this is when the ring explodes. Lightning crackles up through Nissa's body and she screams. She blacks out for a moment and wakes up on her back, having been thrown from whatever force had gone through her. A blue light hovers in the air nearby when she stands up, its glow pulsing to the beat of the leyline song. Its edges resemble ragged cloth, as if someone took a knife to the fabric of reality. Nissa reaches towards it and quickly pulls her hand back as a bolt of electricity jumps to her fingers. The light tears open into a portal-like gap. The force of it even throws her back. And from the depths of this portal, a hostile beast rumbles through. It stands taller than a bear, electricity threading through its claws and body. It roars as it spots Nyssa. Nyssa grabs her staff, and it responds to her, commanding the nature to bend to her will. With one deep breath, she tries to recall what it felt like to be a hero, to stop letting this creature play her like a game piece and become the hand that moves it. She wraps her fingers around her staff, and its twisted wood comes to life. Green vines curl around her wrists as she draws the sword from its heart. She sends her magic down the blade, and its metal shines green. She steps nimbly forward, but the use of even a little magic has somehow winded her. Nissa shoves her sword into the beast's flank, and from it, a volley of vines wrap around its limbs and body, which the beast easily bucks off and breaks. And from here, Nyssa tries to tap into the ley lines again, desperately trying to summon her elementals with her bare hands, but Zalfir cannot hear her and nothing happens. 
the beast roars again and charges straight for her. Then it stops, as if suspended in time. It's Teferi. He, Koth, and Karn have stepped in to help. Karn grabs hold of the beast while Koth pulls her to safety. And when Teferi lets it go from his time magic, lightning explodes everywhere, sending all four of them to the ground. The beast speeds away into the distance, tearing through the forest. Safe for now, the four of them get up and dust themselves off from the encounter. Teferi had been on his way to visit Rin when they spotted the light from the hill, so they raced in to help. Thankfully. Now, all their attention is on the portal that had opened up, the place where the beast had come from. And I'm going to read this directly from the story because I think it says a lot from how Nyssa feels in regards to this portal. The portal calls to Nyssa. Something on the other side hums with the energy of a ley line song. It's like a chorus overlapping, chaotic, melodies from different planes, but through it all, she feels a familiar vibration. It's faint, but it sounds like Zendikar. Even if the plane cannot hear her, her heart instinctively fills with longing. But she needs more than instinct. She needs to understand. She dares to ask, where do you think it leads? She wants it to lead her home. Hard to say, Teferi muses, but that beast certainly wasn't from Zalfir. Desire grips Nissa's chest even harder. Could it have traveled from another plane? Karn appeared to shrug, an awkward gesture with his massive shoulders. It's possible. Realmbreaker burrowed holes through the fabric of reality. The Silex exploded in the blind eternities. Who knows what that might have changed. Nissa wonders if one of them should go through the portal. But Karn warns that they don't know the consequences, they don't know whether this is dangerous, and without a spark, the blind eternities could kill all of them. To this, Nyssa points out that a random beast had been able to pass through unharmed, something that clearly is not a planeswalker. And Koth says that they should find the beast still lumbering around in the forest and potentially threatening the nearby village of Zalfir first before exploring, and all of them agree. They return to the village down the hill and Nyssa stops by the mess tent to be looked over by a healer. Although nothing is broken and she's actually fine, Nyssa still is hurting. It's while Nyssa is here in the mess tent that the lightning beast from before returns, this time rampaging through the nearby area. Screams from the village erupt. Nyssa is the only one around to help right now, so she grabs her staff and summons a distraction for the beast with a series of vines. Her magic is weak, so she can't keep it up for long. And the beast is clearly irritated and now honed in on Nyssa. Before the beast can charge, a figure appears right in its path. It's Chandra, all lit up in her fire magic and facing off against the beast. Nyssa tries to help. She uses vines, even commanding a whole boabab tree to crash into the beast. But, but nothing she does seems to hold it off. Even Chandra's fire magic isn't doing much, and in fact, the heat only seems to make it grow stronger and larger. Trapped in the hole made by the uprooted boabab tree, Chandra all lit up in flame, Nyssa finally finds her voice. Stop. Just let me save myself for once. This stuns Chandra, whose magic just right there fizzles as she looks at Nyssa. The beast is still coming for them. Furious and powerful, eating up every element thrown at it. But still, Nyssa says what she has to to Chandra in this moment. You made me a promise, Chandra, and you still left. Do you think, she says, voice cracking, 
that because I no longer have a spark that I'm happy to see you running around the multiverse like nothing has changed, that I'm happy just waiting for you to come back? If that's how it's going to be, you don't need to return. I'll take care of myself. And oh. <laughs> she gives just, her not an ultimatum, but she really lays yeah. out how important this is to her. It's harsh. She, it's harsh, but it needed to be said. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes when you communicate with your whole body, <laughs> when you communicate correctly, it is hard. It doesn't always feel good in that moment. But some, and it's not always the right moment, but sometimes you just have to get it out. And I'm really, I'm really proud of Nissa for getting her feelings out here. And now Chandra's full attention is on Nissa. Chandra apologizes, but they have this charged, angry elemental beast coming for them. So they decide in the moment to work together and worry about how to fix them later. And Nissa admits that she can't access the ley lines anymore, finally admitting it to someone. I mean, she's been keeping it to herself this whole time, which has not been helping her own pain, I'm sure. Again, the metaphor of her burying her own carapace, like burying herself, is coming yeah. through yeah. here. And Nissa says that the voice she's trying to use to call out to the ley lines doesn't feel like her voice, rather, that it's still Phyrexia's. And Chandra says, your connections aren't drowning your voice, Nissa. They're changing it into something new, maybe something even more powerful. Infinite voices, infinite possibilities, right? Well, it's worth a try. Gripping Chandra's hand, Nissa listens. She reaches out, as she used to, to the ley lines all filled with static. She searches, refusing to be deterred, to find Zalfir's melody within the chaos. And she offers this apology to Zalfir, and it answers her. It, too, was cut off from everything it knew, from the connections it had made. It, too, was scarred by Phyrexia and is growing into something new. It forgives her, and Nyssa can finally forgive herself. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so yeah. much. Because that's what she had to do to get past anything else. She had to forgive herself. She can't work on her relationship with Chandra. She can't work on her friendships with Teferi and all the others. She can't make peace with this new home. She can't move on until she forgives herself for what Phyrexia did to her. And let's not get that twisted. Phyrexia did it to her. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm um, so proud of Nissa in this moment. It's just, it's... It's what she needed to do. She needed to reach in and find this connection with Zalfir, who actually, like, Zalfir in this moment, this plane, has actually had a very similar story and, and can relate to Nissa's pain. And it's what she needed to, to be able to forgive herself. I'm just so proud of her. Magic bloods into Nissa. And together with Chandra, holding hands, they blast the elemental beast. Fire magic, like a miniature sun, coalesces in Chandra's free hand so bright that Nyssa can see it through the green. With their connection made whole, Nyssa sees what Chandra sees, feels what Chandra feels. Chandra aims upward, and a solid column of fire catches the lightning creature in the face. Together, they watch the beast inhale. Chandra pours heat and energy into the creature. Its molecules and magic begin to vibrate faster and faster. Its fur melts into vapor. The lightning seams on its body crack and expand, and the beast breaks into pieces that convulse so furiously they liquefy and then evaporate. Jets of steam escape its fading form and rise into the air, coalescing in a rumbling thunderhead overhead. 
And rain begins to fall from this thunderhead that they have created from this lightning beast. And it's during this downpour in the wake of their victory against the beast, Chandra turns to Nyssa and says she doesn't know how to say what kind of love she has for Nyssa. It's still hard to describe, she says. When I saw you there in New Phyrexia, I realized I wanted to save you more than I wanted to save the world. My love for you, it's like when you left the Gatewatch, came back to the Gatewatch. It's not perfect all the time, but I want to do my best. And it's such a beautiful moment here because Chandra says that Nyssa makes her better and that Chandra has, she has a wanderlust, a desire to explore and seek out adventure, and that will always be a part of her. But she also wants to stay with Nyssa, to try and stay for her and find stillness. I will falter. I will be tempted, but I will make it. Fire is going to burn no matter what you do, but you can shape it if you try. And I want to try for you. And this is response. Heart, 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 heart. It's so good. It's so good. I love this for them so much, so much. And like true love is compromise. True love is coming together. True love is is making these the decision to work through something hard together and then putting in the actual work to do that. And it just is so beautiful to see this moment. Now, Nissa's response is to say she can handle that. And the two share another kiss. <laughs> Yay, Chandra and Nissa figure it out. Yes, finally. I'm so happy for them. <laughs> and then later, after the storm dies down, Chandra and Nissa, hand in hand, return to the portal where the beast came from. Nissa wants to explore beyond, to find out where it leads. But most of all, she wants to somehow find home. And maybe Zendikar is through that portal. And so Chandra agrees to travel with her through that portal. They will explore different planes together to see where the portal leads, and maybe even beyond. And Chandra promises her that she will be right by Nissa's side. They step through the portal, and I quote, just one of infinite possibilities. And infinite possibilities is just such a great way to end this and such a good descriptor of Chandra and Nissa. Like they have the yeah. whole, they have decided to come together and to be together. And now they have their whole lives in front of them together. And it's up to them what they choose to do with it. Just like that portal is one of infinite possibilities. So is their life together. Yeah. I, and I think it was the perfect metaphor for, for Chandra and Nissa fixing them and finally coming to terms with how they felt with the, for each other. Um, and I, I loved this episode because, well, first and foremost, we finally got Chandra and Nyssa to finally. fix their relationship and and tell how they felt about each other. And, and they are together now. It's like it, it was so I was so happy for them. And it just felt like finally things are right. You know, yes. <laughs> and it's like it's it was it was so rewarding to be able to see that relationship actually work. Something happy happened at the end of all so of much this. sadness sadness and loss and pain and obviously Nissa still has a lot to work through too on on her own self of, of forgiving herself but she started she started down that path and I think with Chandra's help she's gonna be okay and there is a lot more to unpack in this episode too I mean there's a lot of meaning 
that was revealed to us during this episode. I mean, yes, Chandra and Nissa kind of took the spotlight, but there's a lot more happening to the multiverse right now. Yeah, I mean, we have Teferi, Koth, Karn, all without a spark now. So they are no longer able to planeswalk. And on top of that, there are portals that potentially go from one plane to the other. And that is pretty freaking cool because yeah, we've never had that before. No. And this like this elemental was just able to come through it. Like it sounded like he kind of heard Nissa's call and and came through this portal to her. And that's kind of how they discovered the portal. But like the portal was already there. Like Nissa didn't open the portal. The portal was there because likely Realmbreaker. Realmbreaker punched holes in everything. And so what is yeah. that gonna mean? For yeah, I have everyone. so many questions over. I think we are starting to see the consequences of not just the invasion tree and and the remnants of you know Realmbreaker having literally created portals all throughout the multiverse, but it was also referenced several times that the Silex detonated in the Blind Eternities, which kind of punched holes in the multiverse itself too. And I wonder if the portals that we're seeing now pop up are a consequence of both of those things together. Um, so I am I am very intrigued for how how this will this will unfold in in, in the future of of magic story. I am I am very I have so many questions and I'm so excited. And we got to see Nissa rediscovering her power in a completely different way. Yeah. And so speaking of how the fact that there's holes now in the Blind Eternities and there's portals into different multiverses, I wonder if that changes Nissa's power. If Because she taps into the plane that she's currently in. But if all the planes are somehow interconnected in through these portals can she tap into different planes all at once Ooh. it makes me wonder whether and and chandra had had said infinite possibilities right and so it makes me wonder whether nissa's magic is actually going to be even more powerful now because of all of this interconnection Ooh, happening that would be so cool so, and and yeah. that's that's we just know about the planeswalkers that were directly involved in this storyline what does this mean for some of the other planeswalkers that Everybody we else. don't know yeah. what's going on with them right now? So don't worry. We do have a couple more episodes to explore with you all as we wrap up season four. The story of March of the Machine is finding a few happily ever afters, but it is clear that we will be feeling the impacts of the Phyrexian invasion. After all, it's time for us to find a Johnny and see what he's up to in the wake of being de-Phyrexianized in our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked today's episode as much as Harless and I did, do us a huge favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, so many more. And as always, you can read up on these stories and many more at mtgstory.com. We'll see you next time. But until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.